Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. Mark, I've been unable to sleep since reading about Casey Musgrave's appearance on Saturday Night Live last week. You I saw read this. That. And oh, you, my goodness. Did you see the clip? You probably saw I did, clip. yeah, yeah. It's fantastic. <laughs> so Casey Musgrave's uh, <laughs> it, plugging her new record, which is, of course, is her, it, it, as is traditional, her post-divorce record. Everybody has to have one of these nowadays. Uh, and she got a record called Justified, decided that somehow to celebrate her kind of independence, somehow, um, she would appear on Saturday Night Live with the lights down, admittedly, naked. With a strategically placed acoustic guitar. Naked. Let's be clear about this. Naked. Naked. But for a pair of cowboy boots. Cowboy boots and an acoustic guitar. But she, no, she, I don't think it was a confidence thing. I mean, I read a little interview and she said she felt really vulnerable and exposed about being single again. I felt in a naked place. So it was a little <laughs> bit of a, you know, what it basically is, is a genius bit of publicity. Pass <laughs> off very earnestly as uh, as a, an artistic statement. Of course it is. <laughs> Which is great. Of it. That's the way those things work. But, you oh, see, no. but uh, sorry, I, I thought beyond that. Once you've gone beyond that, Mark, I wouldn't you just imagine TV studio. It's a live TV studio. There's a yeah. load of people in there. There's a studio audience from Saturday Night Live. Yeah. But apart from that, there's fellow performers, there's technicians, there's your retinue or whatever. You are on stage, sitting on a stool, and this yeah. is an important point we're going to come back to, Mark. Yeah. Naked, literally yeah. naked. Apart from the, the cowboy votes. And she and was it. naked because, because we know, because in a brilliant piece, again, of publicity, she got all the attention for being on the show with nothing on. And then her PR, two days later, posted pictures taken from behind, from the back, to prove, there she is sitting on the stool, that she really was naked. So they get kind of two cracks at this publicity, don't they? And, and had to say cracks, that they got very her good. Oh, yeah, sorry, yeah. <laughs> ooh, uh, ooh, uh, Mrs. <laughs> They had to, uh, to explain that they had to get her on stage 
wrapped in towels, didn't they? So they got on there with the lights down, wrapped in towels, and then, you know, get her settled on the stool and then very carefully remove the towels and put the guitar on. There's all the stage guys around. As you say, there's all the crew there and everything. But Mark, I've got a question to ask you. What's the stool made of? What's the average stool that you might well, find? Yeah, it'd, be, it'd be some kind of leatherette. Yeah, it? leatherette. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And and if you sat naked on a thing like that, you know, under hot studio lights, and you were called upon to make it to the fire exit in hurry, the chances are that you would leave behind a layer of epidermis. <laughs> the stool, wouldn't you? Without making, you, I mean, if you sat on a Set on any ultimate furniture in your house naked. Naked. You'd feel odd, wouldn't you? Really? I think you would feel very odd indeed. So anyway, <laughs> to test the kind of physics of this proposition, we're we're gonna we we've got something very exciting in store. Mr. Alex Gold, later on in this podcast. He doesn't know this yet. He doesn't know he's this listening. yet. <laughs> Our producer is going to is going to perform part of a song. While naked in his cabin aboard a, a cruise liner, but for a, uh, a strategically played guitar. Okay, so that sound you might hear in That's... the um, in the distance is is Alex uh, having palpitations or uh, demanding a recount or whatever. So here but we anyway. are accusing her of kind of cheap publicity <laughs> and, uh, and trying to engineer a little for ourselves. Quite Absolutely. right. Absolutely. Now talking of crazy Americans. Uh, Steve Van Zandt's here this this week, plugging his book, and he was talking at the Cheltenham Festival, I think. And so he was in Cheltenham, and uh, he he posted a picture of him um, by the grave of Brian Jones in Cheltenham, and uh, and saying that it's it's insufficiently grand for somebody of Brian Jones's stature. Oh, that's what he meant, didn't he? I didn't quite understand that because his his post was just the injustice. This injustice must be rectified. So he meant it was just too small scale. Uh, he said he's, he changed the world, you know, which I'm not really sure that Brian Jones changed the world. Anyway, and it just struck me, you know, that the, the, the American attitude to kind of celebrity graves is rather different from ours, isn't it? And it yeah. made me think, how many kind of rock star graves could you visit in this country and i don't think there's an awful lot have you ever been to one i don't know if i've ever been to any that's a really good point and, and I mean, they, well, what are the significant ones i mean you kind of tend to think of the kind of karl marxist don't you in the uh you know um the oscar wilds in, in paris and i i know I, what, what are the well, main george, destinations george michael interestingly is is buried in highgate cemetery but a, an unmarked grave which i think is a is a very good idea you know because if you don't it want is. if you don't want something surrounded by by people leaving inappropriate tributes or whatever and uh, tramp it all over the graveyard looking for him that that's a that's a sensible thing to do but it's interesting that uh, you know, even you know, even Churchill, the kind of most celebrated Englishman of the 20th century, arguably, he's buried in a, in a country churchyard in Oxfordshire. This yeah. tends to tends to happen with so many of these people. And I've just been looking up. You know, this uh, this this happened with um, well, other other music names. I've just are just in kind of. Um, in local churchyards. And also, I didn't realise that Brian Epstein's grave 
is is there in 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 the Jewish cemetery in in Liverpool? I think it's Long Lane Cemetery in, in Liverpool. I never knew that at all. But is that nothing grand then, presumably? Well, nothing particularly grand. No, no. no. And because that was uh, the interesting thing about Oscar Wilde was that I mean, Oscar Wilde actually died in some kind of almost poverty, really, didn't he? Oh, in absolutely. Very reduced circumstances <laughs> in Paris. And uh, you know, life was and, and you go there and it's unbelievably impressive. You know. Is it? So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very elaborate thing. So right. uh, I didn't realise that Thomas Hardy is buried in in Westminster Abbey, but his heart is buried in a churchyard in Dorset. Good lord! Is that, is that extraordinary? That is very odd. And uh, Dickens. Cromwell Simple. was buried in two different uh, locations. Oh well, they, wasn't it, well, they dug him up later, didn't they? Yeah. They hanged him, didn't they? Well, <laughs> it was pretty, pretty grisly pretty what grim. happened to him. But uh, anyway, I, I just thought Brian Jones in a local cemetery doesn't bother me at all. You know what I mean? And I, I don't think I don't think people need need these kind of grand memorials as well. I don't think I don't think they need presidential libraries and all that kind of all that carry on. You know, the most the grandest rock star um tombs I've been to have been in the States. It's like Elvis Presley's and so forth. Um I don't think we're going for that kind of thing over I here. don't think we maybe we don't do it, but whereas I, maybe there's more of an American tradition in doing it. Dylan did it quite a lot, didn't he? There's a famous picture of him and Ginsburg. At Kerouac's oh, right. tomb. Do you remember yes, that? When they're on, yeah. I think it might have been the Rolling Thunder tour. I can't remember that. Yeah. But I think it's more of a, a kind of a, a tourist destination for Americans. That's no, interesting. The Word Podcast. Prime cuts of popular culture served fresh each week. Well, welcome. Welcome, Ian Martin. First of all, this is a bit of a new departure, actually. Ian's not only a Patreon supporter, but more importantly, in this case, it's his birthday, isn't it, Ian? Is it today? It is. Well, it's in a few days' time. Yeah, it's in a few days' time. So you're our you're our special guest on this podcast to mark this birthday. What have you got planned for the birthday? Anything anything really exciting? Well, on the date, we, we're actually going out to see the Boomtown Rats at the the London Palladium, which is uh, um, something that's been cancelled about three times. But I think we're pretty certain it's going to take place this week uh, oh, this, this really? year. So what kind of lineup do the Boontown Rats come out with nowadays? Do we know? Uh, well, it, it will be Bob Geldof and maybe Is it a just him and Johnny Fingers or somebody? Yeah, else? it I is. Do, do you see the documentary about that they repeated just the other night? I did, yeah. It, we, I, I actually thought it was well done, you know. Incredibly and, uh, well done. It's such a good story. And, and people are very fond of him, aren't they? I mean, Sting was, was, was clearly gushing uh, uh, about uh, Bob Geldof and the Boontown Rats. He was. So, I think people are very fond of him. I don't know how many are as fond of, of the Rats music, but they certainly approve of and love Bob. He's got a lot of fun. Uh, and and he's a good front, a front man. I mean, I, brilliant. I remember it's a, few, brilliant. a few years ago when they reformed, he, he just they just come out and they try and grab the audience in the first minute. And uh, once you're hooked, you're hooked. Well, we know from our experience a few months ago doing when he was our guest on uh, on the word in your attic or whatever, we literally got about one question. <laughs> and it was it's just sheer energy. Riveting. He it was, was fantastic. I think it's one of the best, best ones that we've done, actually. He just talked about the experience of watching bands when you're 13 or 14 in incredible detail, didn't he, Dave? Oh, it's brilliant. The clothes, you can remember, clothes that all five of the Rolling Stones were wearing. 
and their attitudes and the things that he nicked for his own stage act. It's really interesting. But also, of all the people we've talked to during lockdown of various different stages, he was the one who most had, had most things to say that he'd clearly been storing up for a long, yeah. long time, you know what I mean? So he just started him. So I'm sure he'll be the same at... Uh, at the Palladium, you know, he'll be just dying to get on stage. Like loads uh, of these people are. I don't know Bob Geldof, but I mean, I've bumped into him a couple of times. And I think the, the fact that his career was up and down, actually, I think he really appreciates the highs. Yeah. Completely, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I bumped into him a soft play area in Clapham when he was with the kids, <laughs> you, you know, um, and read, you, you know. That's, and, a, that's a while ago, was Yeah, it? no, it is. Yeah, they were, they were young. But, uh, of course, you, you probably couldn't give a Boomtown rat ticket away at that, that stage. No. Um, so you bought the ticket for the Palladium, and this has been postponed, so you, you've just had this ticket sitting there for, what, 18 yeah. months or something? That's, that's right, which is a short time. I mean, uh, I've, I've got an Elton John ticket I've had for four and a half years. Oh, Really? Where's yeah. that? No, you posted about that, didn't you? Yeah. Saying that you, you estimated he had something like £473 million of punters' money in a bank. And it'd been yeah, well, four years. Well, I mean, I bought the ticket on the 18th of November when I was working in music. We used to do uh, Elton John's tour. So I thought it's the last day of this farewell tour. I'll buy a ticket. So I bought it on the 18th of November 2018. It's been cancelled numerous times. It's now meant to take place in April 2023. That's, um, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a long way away. That, that it, cash it, is sitting there earning, earning, yeah. uh, you know, some kind of percentage, I presume. Did so, you, yeah, you, you, sorry, David. Have we followed the story of Marillion's tour? Where have you seen this? Where they're uh, no. well, Marillion were were pioneers of kind of crowdfunding the the making of albums and so forth. They got a very well established fan base, not huge, but it's there. Yeah. And uh, and they um, they only they can't get insurance to tour, because the danger of happen, something happening to them, such as has happened to recently to Genesis, that somebody in the yep. in the band or the touring party is positive for COVID, and therefore the whole thing's been called off for a few days or whatever. And Marillion can't get insurance to cover this, so the only way they can insure themselves is is asking the fans to donate as much as they can afford. And, and this will be put in a kind of sealed account. And assuming the tour all goes ahead, you'll get your money back. But if the tour doesn't or any dates have to be cancelled, yeah. your money will be used to pay the crew and the costs and the and the trucking and so forth. I thought it was a great a great test of your bond with your, your faith. <laughs> that is, you know, asking somebody, you know, to say, all right, Five, have you got five grand you can give us or something like that? That is the extra mile, isn't it? My God. I thought it was extraordinary that it had come to that, you know, but I suppose people just can't make plans with confidence, can they, really? No. Uh, and that's going to go on for a while, isn't it? Go on, carry on. Uh, yeah, I'm, I mean, I, I, I think Blondie have just cancelled their tour. They've moved into 2022. You know, I mean, I, I think it's moving between borders. It's very difficult. Yeah. Especially if you've got members of the band or or, or the crew that aren't vaccinated, it, yeah. it probably makes it quite difficult. I mean, we yeah you know, we went to see Rick Astley and the Blossoms last. Yes, night. tell us about tell this. us about that. Well, I mean, again, it's the modern modern world. I mean, I I got to the venue and and I and I said to Jill, my wife, I said, "Oh my God, I haven't got my phone, and you've got to show your COVID <laughs> certification." 
So I said, you go in. Um, I'll, Sorry, where where is this taking place? Where it's, was go, it? it's, it's at the Kentish Town Forum. Okay, so it's right. about 2,000 yeah, yeah. people there, I guess. Um, so she went in. It was unreserved seating, so uh, where we were, and uh, got a seat. And um, I went back, got my phone, showed my COVID certification, got in. Um, and I have to say, I mean, I would – it's quite bizarre. So it's Rick Astley and the Blossoms, who are a young five-piece band, I guess, from Salford, I believe. Um, and they were doing songs of the Smiths. Uh, and I would say 65% of the audience there were Blossoms fans, so they were quite young. And sort of 35% were sort of various selections of people that recollect the Smiths. Oh, really? Um, That's yeah. interesting. So if you're a Blossoms fan... Would you? How would you have felt about the fact they're playing Smiths? So I mean, surely you would have been slightly aggrieved, wouldn't you? Because it was entirely Smiths, wasn't it? Yeah, it was entirely Smiths. So, the, so, wow. the, so I mean, I suppose if you're a Blossoms fan, you just turn up, don't you? I mean, you were talking about Marillion. These are probably hardcore fans. Blossoms at the moment are probably out of the Smiths, Rick Astley, and the Blossoms are the bigger band. You know, they've had two number one albums. They fill out big venues. It was really? a chance to see the Blossoms at a small venue doing something different. It's a what, bit, what, so if you're a Blossoms fan, you turn up, and the Blossoms are what, in their 20s or early yeah, 30s? Okay. Yeah. And, and out front is this chap who, Rick Astley, how old is Rick Astley, for goodness sake? He's got to be in his 50s. 50, yeah, it's got to be 50s, yeah. He's, he's a little bit younger than me. <laughs> so who's this old duffer who comes out in front of them and sings, and what sings are songs by another group? Yeah, that's right. That's it's absolutely without precedent, isn't it? I can't think of anything like it. Well, I know there's been some strange sort of tie-ups, haven't there? We were, I mean, a few years ago, we went to see Shaggy and Sting, and who would have thought that was possible? Oh, well, well they, did they do a whole show, Shaggy and Sting? Yeah, so they, they alternated between a Shaggy song, a, a <laughs> Sting song, and uh, and one that they'd done together. It was um, Franz Ferdinand and Sparks. I mean, it's all... I think I think that's, the nuance. That's, they're more of a marriage, though, aren't they? They're, they're yeah, from the yeah. same world. Well, Ginger, Ginger Baker and Public Image Limited. Well, so there have been some classics yeah. in the past. Well, Taylor Swift and Death Leopard was was another one that was uh, <laughs> the more of the bizarre. But I mean, I have to say that I mean I don't really know the the works of the Blossoms, but they can really play. I mean, yeah, yeah, the, yeah they, they they are well well drilled. And Rick Astley came on, um, and. Yeah, they they did Smith songs and they they did they started with one or two of the hits, um, but they did some for the connoisseurs of the Smiths. But but what's interesting is 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 the crowd seemed to know every line to every song, you, you know. And I mean, also it it was quite joyous that because it was a young crowd. I say my my wife had got in before I did, and uh, as I was walking up the stairs, all I could hear was everybody singing along to Sweet Caroline. <laughs> and so this whole a thing, got, match. yeah, it got built up. It was a night out, and um, but, they but were, don't you was, think I've seen a few clips of it? I thought he did it really well. Oh, thought, really? I well. thought oh, it was just no. incredible because what they did was do it really faithfully. That clip of this charming man, note for note, like the record, as yeah. much as they possibly could, all the inflections. Uh, I thought that was really credible. It's not like he's trying to do an interpretation of it or a better version of it or a cover version. It's just no. literally. You know, it's a, it's a it, it, is, it was note for note. I mean, it, and I say, you know, the technology is better. These guys can really play. Being a five piece rather than a three, you know, a four piece, that 
it helped in terms of the depth of the sound. It was very, very, very good. And, you know, they, they ended with this charming man and there's a light that never goes out and, and everybody, it, it was party. And But you say, they didn't try, there, there was a few swinging of the microphone, a few sort of yeah. daffodils went into the audience, you, you know, <laughs> Um, but but it, it was it was a a tribute, you know. They they were clearly all Smiths fans, and and they were trying to do the best that they could, and, and it was terrific. And he can really sing, Rickass. I mean, whatever one thinks of him as just a pop star, but oh. but he can really sing. And, no, and he it, definitely he definitely can. Definitely. And you know, I don't think if the Smiths were gonna. You know, if Morrissey had left the Smiths and had looked for another singer, you know, Rick Astley would have been on many people's lists, but no. he could have done the job. <laughs> he could have done the job. It does so work. It, we finally reached the point where the cover versions are better than the originals, aren't they? This is this is what's yeah. happened in popular music, can it? It's just it's just fantastic. Well, it's true because what else is available? There's very little Morrissey available. Johnny Marr does occasionally do some, doesn't he? Mm. But sings them himself and doesn't. They, they, I, honestly, it sounds sacrilegious to say, it, but I don't think they sound as good as, as what you saw last night. It's that, just a much and, better version. And and the key the key um, the key clue to the fact that Morrissey was not in the house was Ian said it was a party. That <laughs> 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 oh, wouldn't be happening if Morrissey was there at all. So okay, so you're a bit of a connoisseur of these kind of strange pairings, and uh, you know, any more you got lined up that you're going to go and see? You you got your Elton ticket. What else have you got lined? Well, up? I, I've got lots of, of obviously there's been a whole number of, of shows that have that have been moved, but um, yeah, no, I, I I try and go out and see live music at least once or twice. I mean, this week we went to see Patti Smith at, at the Royal Albert Hall, um, that was absolutely which got terrific. rave notices, didn't it? I yeah. Mean, I, and talking of cover versions, I think her cover version of Gloria, um, you know, the Van Morrison song is, is just just terrific. And I think she she she's faithful, but she puts a real spin on it. And uh, no, she Did was she very, do it because the night she didn't on the night that we went. It, it was that yeah that that she didn't do Frederick or because the night. So sort of um, but but it was still uh, as the Guardian you know gave it five stars. But it, but it it was a really really good night out and. Uh, and then we went to see Nick Cave um, as well at the Albert Hall this week. Good grief! You do yeah. get around. That's very impressive. <laughs> well, it's like it's like buses, isn't it? We didn't we haven't had any for two years. No, okay. Coming yeah, along, you might as well go and catch up. Yes. <laughs> well, Ian, have a very good uh, day on your birthday. Thank you. Um, uh, coming up, and uh, you got any got any presents? You got your got your thoughts on? Well, I've got, got a few Dren- books. So uh, a few books and T-shirts. I think were on the list. So let's hope. And What's how, the how person you... you're buying for yourself? <laughs> no, when we get to our age, that becomes the big issue. <laughs> um, how you guys been? All right. Oh, we're just, we're yeah, as just ever. Stumbling just on as ever. away as fools, yes. At the usual, at the usual spot. We're fine. We're yeah, fine. My, so my, uh, my, my, my day-to-day is a bit like the, an episode of The Likely Lads. I'm a big boxing fan, so I'm trying to avoid the boxing result. Oh, really? So, oh, you don't uh, oh, good grief. Even I know that, and I know nothing Yeah, about. well, I, I've I'm not going to tell you. Don't worry. I, I've got two hours to go before I can watch it on oh. rerun. And um, so I've been out for a run. I, I, I've avoided all sorts That's of social amazing. media. I mean, it is... You're going to spend the next two hours sitting underneath a cushion somewhere. And you yeah, can't, I know. You, I, I, I'm bound you can't, to you can't even do what the like lads did, which was go in a church. Do you remember? Because it's Sunday, and if you went to church, there'd be people yeah. in there. 
I, uh, I went for a, yeah, went for a run along the river. Luckily, there was nobody around. That's <laughs> amazing. I didn't think you can. Well, we want to know later on. Drop us a line to let us know whether you avoided finding out the uh, finding out the result. That's amazing. Cheers. Ian, thank you very much for being here. Thank you very much. Have a great yourselves, guys. Okay. Cheers. Happy birthday. Bye. Bye. This is a junction in the word podcast. It separates that bit from this next bit. So, John Mayle. John Mayle has finally hung up his cowboy hat. Is that right? Mark? Well, he's re- he's announced that he's stopping touring. Do you know, it's funny. I mean, I, as a kid, I was you always aware of the fact that he was quite old, weren't you? I mean, you know, John Mayle was 30, I think, when Eric Clapton joined the Blues Breakers at the age of 19. So you always kind of thought of him as kind of an old kid. I didn't realise how old he was. He's 88. Right. So he's born in 1933. Amazing. He had a band called the Powerhouse Four in 1956. I mean, that's before the Beatles even met. Which is a, that's pretty senior, isn't it? Uh, yeah, definitely. And he's definitely. one of the few guys who did uh, National Service, well, which I'm always really interested in because there's something rather fascinating about the idea that, you know, that there was a member of the Rolling Stones who was for nearly two years uh, part of the Air Force. He was Air Craftsman Bill Perks Bill from Perks. Penge. That's you right. cannot imagine anything more you know, that reeks more of the old pre-rock and roll England than the idea of aircraftsman Bill Perks of Penn. Of Penn. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's like something out of the army game or, you know, get some in or some sitcom set in uh, set in the forces yeah and then he you know so so there must be people there must be people possibly people still alive who remember being in the air force with bill perks and saying and you know i was in the air force with this geezer and then a few years later the next time i saw him <laughs> the next time i saw him <laughs> oh, no. he was doing honky-tonk women on top of the pop <laughs> i mean you know 
it's quite a transformation, isn't it? It's anyway, incredible. I've only discovered a few other, but it's funny, they got away with national service. It was done away with in 1959, I think. So you had to be 18 to do it. So that means, you know, Ian Hunter and Jet Black and Ginger Baker and all that lot didn't have to do it. Not, none of the Beatles were there. I can only find five people who had, and they were Lonnie Donegan, right. as you'd imagine. Yeah, he was yeah. born in 1931. Yeah. Yeah, he, was, uh, he was national service in the Army in Southampton. Uh, Engelbert Humperdinck. Wow, was, was the, he? Yeah, was in the Royal Army Corps, uh, the Royal Corps of Signals. All right, all right. Uh, yeah, Bill Wyman, John Mayall, obviously, and the other one, and not that he's a musician, of course, is John Peel. John Peel was in the uh, the Royal Artillery as a B two radar op- operator. And I can remember interviewing him once, and him telling me that he really enjoyed it. He was the very last, very last wave of people in national service, and he loved it. He just sat well, around, he's playing records all the time. Well, it was it was a life changing thing, wasn't it, for loads of people? They always say you know, that generation, our parents' generation, it was always the transformational experience of life, whether it involved war and violence or not. Yeah, it was just being in the forces. You suddenly met a load of people. You met a load of people you were taken away from home, from parts of the country and from backgrounds that you would never have come across otherwise. And uh, you know that just all. Well, my parents pro- probably, I'm sure, would never have met them before the war. You know, one from the south of England, one from the north of England. Oh, really? And the whole the whole of England was just was, was shuffled and redealt, wasn't it? At that point, and yes, in different places, you know. Very well Amazing. put, shuffled and redealt. Can I just uh, throw in I, I've, the, my most, the, my favourite bit of reading matter in the, the last week is I found a, a, a filmography of the film roles of the late, great Irene Handel. Oh, I uh, saw that, yes. I do recommend yes. to anybody, uh, find it on Wikipedia. It's unbelievable. There's just millions of films, and out of which uh, Irene Handel always played kind of, Rather strange old older ladies who are very often landladies or whatever. And they have fantastic names, don't they? And I'm just going to give you I'm a few. Looking at it now. Go in, on, yeah. In Rhythm Serenade in 1943, she played Mrs. Crumbling. Mrs. Crumbling. That's right. <laughs> it, it give us the moon in 1944. She was Miss Haddock. Miss Haddock. Very good. <laughs> in Small Hotel in 1957, she was Mrs. Gammon. <laughs> And uh, in the pure hell of Centrinians in 1960, she was Miss Harker Parker. And a, a uh, kind of toffee nosed Harridan. You can just imagine it, can't you? And in the wrong box in 1966, she was Mrs. Hackett. In Smashing Time in 1967, she was Mrs. Gimble. And then when you get to the later part of his career, her career, in Confessions of a Driving Instructor in 1976, she was Miss Slenderparts. Miss Slenderparts, that's right. The, the, follow, the following year in Adventures of a Private Eye, she was Miss Friggin. <laughs> At the last remake of Bojest in 1977, which was almost her last part, she was Miss Wormwood. So God bless. That is genius. God bless it? the memory of Irene Handel. I love Irene Handel. Um Anyway, have you seen the pictures of Cliff Richard on tour? Cliff's trousers? I have. Well, he's back on stage, isn't he? Aged 80 or whatever. People are getting very surprised about the fact he's still going. But, yeah, why not, for God's sake? Oh, absolutely. He was described in the news story as the triple vaccinated singer (laughs) delighted a crowd of adoring fans with a two-hour set. These first four is a two-hour set. Oh, the idea is now the triple vaccinated singer. (laughs) I do. He's wearing an unbelievable pair of trousers. I think even a... 
even a 15 year old would, would feel were pretty uh, uh pretty adventurous racing. and uh, racing they're the kind of they made a rubber to me but I they're the kind of trousers that uh, was it tom hibbert or sylvia, sylvia patterson back in the days of smash hits probably sylvia would have described as perv breeks breeks they are absolutely the image of perv breeks so I do recommend uh, do recommend having a look at those. Uh, sadly, Let's not forget though that Tony Bennett was still touring when he was ninety five. That's pretty good, isn't it? Well, they they, they yeah, only st- recently stopped. He did a gig with Lady Gaga, I think, this year actually. That's pretty amazing. Well, BB King BB retired. King was, well, how old was he? Eighty nine. Eighty nine. He retired in his seventies and came back. Came back because they they, they 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 can't be at home. Just well, can't be at home. They're no use at all unless they've got something to aim at. And it's probably well, how many live musicians musicians say that that uh, that um, you know at eight o'clock in the evening you get that kind of sudden burst of adrenaline? Yeah. You're kind of programmed to go on stage. You feel you should be doing it, you know. So uh, yeah, he kept going, and I think just had to give up a couple of tour dates because he wasn't feeling very well, and then uh, popped his clogs. God bless him. What a way to go. Fantastic. So, so talking of uh, of veteran musicians, we'll be back in a moment with our favourite veteran musician, Alex Gold. The Word Podcast. Fix yourself a drink, and it's like being in the pub. Okay, we're back, and it's as, our very own Casey Musgraves. As, <laughs> as promised, but honestly, those who are not Patreon supporters will simply be listening to this. They won't be seeing. They won't be seeing what we're seeing which is that Alex Gold has volunteered, or actually I volunteered him, to test out the, the kind of physics of, uh, of doing what Casey Musgraves did on Saturday Night Live, which is performing a song naked but for a guitar. In her case, it was a large acoustic guitar. In Alex Gold's case, what is it, Alex? What have you got there? It's a large electric guitar. It's a large electric guitar. But you are yes, naked um, apart naturally. from a few apart from a few beads. A, f- a few beads and, and a and a John Lennon wig. A John and Lennon a, wig, we should understand we should explain it's part of your day job because you're on a, a, a on a on a, a Mediterranean cruise ship where you appear as one of the Beatles every night. How but, with, with with clothes. But with, with clothes. clothes. Now you have you have spent hours, many, many hours performing on stage with clothes, with, yes. with musical instruments. Is this your first time naked, Alex? Doing uh, um I, I, I might have offered the on an unlucky lady <laughs> occasional serenade. <laughs> oh right! But, oh, yeah. but cer- so before breakfast, would you like to hear a self-penned <laughs> classic? Yeah. Yeah. I'll get me coat. Yeah. <laughs> so play, play, a, play us a little bit of something, Alex, and I want to okay. know how it feels. Go on. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Can you hear that? Yeah. Yeah. I can hear yeah. It. Go on. Okay. Nice. So I can sing it this time in the morning. Okay. There are places I remember all my life. Though some have changed, some forever not far better. Some have gone and some remain. All these places have their moments With lovers and friends I still can recall Some are dead and some are living In my life I 
so how's it feeling alex how's it feeling so far is it different it, it feels somehow lighter <laughs> yeah um but more breezy uh, <laughs> I, th I think i'll do this tonight i'll be flying home tomorrow <laughs> seriously it must be odd alex it's got to be odd doesn't it not entirely, because when you're used to wearing wigs and fake moustaches and all manner of weird clothes... Oh, right, okay. You know, there's there's only so many kinds of weird that can be new to you, you know, so this is just another another kind of weird, really, to, well, to, to slot in with all the other kinds of weird that are a part of my daily life. Well, you, you've done us a great service in uh, in allowing us to, to conduct that live experiment there. Alex. Well, you know, I'm, I, 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 yeah, I'm glad that you, you chose me to. You know, yes. to uh... <laughs> we should have got you to play. There's a great track by by ZZ Top called "Buck Naked." So that's that's what you should have done. All In right. the nip, very impressive. In the nip. So <laughs> we move we move on to uh, readers' questions. Uh, Mark, we've got. Uh, uh, solicited people's uh, inquiries from the massive, and we're leaving. We're leaving Alex on screen. In, in, yeah, in, we in, are. We're, yeah. we're just going to leave it there. <laughs> right. Control vibes. <laughs> yeah. When you need some inspiration, just look at me. You know, and uh, okay, we will. That's crazy. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Um, and um, Martin Valens is quite interesting. He says he's seen the Sparks Brothers uh, documentary, and his complaint about it is it's too happy. There oh, I no, saw that post. There are yes. no drugs, no personal issue, personnel issues, no deaths. So can it qualify as a rock documentary? Well, I think it's a very fair, fair that, point. It's a very fair point. It was made by, by Edgar Wright, who is a kind of an absolute super fan. Yeah. So he was looking for the most kind of a joyous aspects of the story, wasn't he? Because he's incredibly enthusiastic about it. But you're absolutely right. Nothing goes wrong. They had their ups and downs commercially yeah but they don't have their ups and downs personally which they is don't fall out it's bad. and they're brothers so there's none of that kind of uh simon and garfunkel kind of you know you know everly brothers they, they won't be on the same stage together stuff you know, they don't fall out so it's true it doesn't have any of the usual dynamic of it doesn't have it doesn't have the usual arc i think you'd say that's right that's Martin. right so that's a fair point gd silver surfer gd silver surfer says, what short songs would you put on a playlist that was going to be less than 30 minutes in total? So loads and loads of short songs. He nominates I Feel Fine by the Beatles. Is that particularly short? I suppose it is. Del Shannon's Runaway, Pictures of Lily by The Who. Um, there's a Small Faces. Um, I think it was an A-side. Is it? called just passing do you know that alex you've you've done the small faces Gosh. many times and i think it's about one minute 30 or something like that oh, really? It's really really short and it's kind of the the short and the brevity of it is part of its charm you listen very closely because you know it's going to go away really really quickly yeah, and I mean, you and i will by the beatles <laughs> i will by the beatles is something ridiculous is it one minute oh. 45 or something it's just perfect and also oh, song two, song two by Blur, which song I adore. Yeah. How long is that? That's about two minutes, isn't it, Magic? Two minutes, two minutes, yeah. But all those early Beatles songs, they're all about two minutes. Yeah. Um, no, I suppose it, I suppose what he's talking about is stuff that's distinctly shorter. below two minutes, short, shorter yeah. than two minutes. Interesting Ooh. point. We'll throw that home to the massive people who no doubt got, uh, got suggestions. Paul Murray wants to know, what's the most essential record label? 
And I'm very glad you came to me with this question, Paul, because you I know can the tell answer, you I know the answer. It's Atlantic Records. Okay, it's so just simple. All right, that. that's, that's, that's that clear enough. That's, well, that's what <laughs> no room did. for argument. No room at all. David Hill says, when 70s bands cut their hair, ELP, yes, etc., did their creativity diminish? I think that's a fair point. That's a you? brilliant point. That's a fair so point. So it, it's a Samson-like kind of strength loss here, is it? Yes. Well, didn't ELP make a record? I think I'm right. They there, did. They make a record called Love Island or something like that. It was called, It was named after an island of some kind. And they all had the haircut. And they just look weird with short hair. Well, ELP. they just didn't look like ELP. It just didn't just, work at no, all. didn't work at all. And... Um, no, I was thinking, who was I thinking about the other day? Somebody was still touring. And, uh, well, it's the same old thing we always think, you know, when people are still touring, it's because they've kept their hair. Bruce Dickinson carried it off. Bruce Dickinson had about three yards of unconditioned hair lopped off at one point and still came across as Bruce Dickinson. So, you know, there are exceptions. But, but the rest of the band kept their long hair, though, didn't they? So That's I think true, they, they did. Pro- they were propping they his lack of hair up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hair yeah. Brian Cannon Hunter wants to know, if Mark, if you and I off, were offered any other TV work after God, what do we do now? Just lie and say, <laughs> oh, my God, I was inundated with stuff. God, I don't think... No, I we mean, did that. We did VH1 years later. Oh, we did VH1. That's true. We did VH1. Yeah, and yeah. we did... Uh, I did odd, odds and ends. Very... Just really the odd thing. I did a thing for the, for the British Museum once, but, I mean, no, we were never off any programmes, were we? I don't think... <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. Fairly, no, no. I don't think so. Um... Keith, uh, Keith Ansley, of course, who we know, uh, there is a large increase in the number of people wearing flares. Do you think we will see the return of the loon pant and the great coats? Now, that's interesting because... Well, the it did loon... come back in 89, didn't it? Big time. But did the loon pant come back? Because the loon pant, <laughs> as we frequently recalled, was an item of trousering which made no allowance no, for the for gender, gender. <laughs> of the wearer. And uh, and so if you see pictures, and you can still see pictures of um, Robert Plant. Usually Robert Plant wearing Robert, exactly. Robert yeah. or Paul Rogers or whatever, wearing the loom pant without, without, shall we say, any support. That's right. Um, and so you can, you can see the religions of the, uh, of the, <laughs> uh, the wearers can easily be detected. I and they were also think about loom pants. They're really cheap, weren't they? Because they were, I seem to remember they were about three quid, and they were made of about four pieces of material loosely tacked together, made of stiff kind of canvas. Where's a re- called South Sea Bubble? That's right. Remember. Do you remember that's that South Sea right. Bubble? South Sea Bubble. Yeah. And um, yeah, when they were of three pounds, when a pair of jeans were probably eight or nine or something like that. So that's a cheaper right. alternative, and so a, a bit. Rather similar applies to the great coat because the thing about the great coat was it was unbelievably cheap, wasn't it? Well, you, you got them from the army and navy surplus, didn't you? Yeah, absolutely. They'd be last worn on Arctic convoys or whatever. Yeah, and you used to be able to buy those for a couple of quid. They would reappear at Wheelie Festival. I know. Yeah, it just seems bizarre. And uh, yes, yeah, so um, Ichabod Wolf says acts for whom. The first track of their debut album is the best song in their catalogue. I saw that and I could not believe there can be any examples because how can you, how can the best thing you ever did be the first thing you ever did and you could not improve at all? I mean, go on. 
What would that make? The, the Beatles well, would be it, a sort of standing there. Well, that's pretty good. It is. Oh, it's <laughs> very good. Pretty good start. It's not the best thing in the country. Um, GD Silver Surfer says, apparently, and you're the Oasis expert, Alex, Supersonic. Is that the first track on the first Oasis? Album? No, that's, it was the first single, but it's track number seven. <laughs> ah, good. Good knowledge. <laughs> oh, <dear>. <laughs> okay, <laughs> well, we can't... The first track's rock and roll style, which some would actually argue encapsulates oh, right. yeah, everything yeah. Oasis are meant to be, but not my personal favourite, for sure. John Med says, I hate to upset Mark, but Queen are already, this is a bit of an emotive phrase coming up, Mark, wiping the floor with the Beatles. These, he sent in some Spotify screen grabs on back-to-back days, and Bohemian Rhapsody... There's a total number of streams of 1.6 billion and is being streamed how many times a day, Alex? How many times a day? Oh, I want to know. This is how many times uh, a day? It's got to be in the tens of millions, surely. It can't be. Ten. Two million times a day. Oh, my a Lord. A day. It goes to so which the, the songwriters will would get what about sort of, you know, no, but if you add it up, they get a fortune. Well, that's the whole thing about that stuff. Is if you roughly people Spotify gets you about three thousand quid, I think. Okay, oh, right. Well, that's amazing. Okay, the point is it goes on, hmm. doesn't it? It doesn't. Yeah, it's not yeah. like doesn't just happen for two years. Yeah, it happens for thirty years or whatever. Keeps on going. And, uh, you know, I think if you're a top earner on Spotify, I think you're doing very well indeed. It's the yeah. middling earners and the lower earners who are God, not. So they, 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 that's actually astonishing. So it, it, it's generating, you know, tens of thousands a day, isn't it? I mean, you, you would have thought so. Yeah, that's exactly. One way or another. Amazing. Yeah. So um, what's your favourite music documentary, everybody? Oh, God. Duncan wants to know this. Uh, God, Dig was good. Do you remember Dig with um, Dandy Warhols and Brian, oh, and Brian right, Jones, yes, South Massacre? That was fantastic. Don't Look Back is fantastic. If Obviously, the Dylan one. Oil uh, City Confidential is really good. Oil City Confidential about, is very good. About, about and I also like that, that one that was made for ITV about status quo on, on tour. Oh, that was brilliant. In the in the nineties, yeah, and yeah. I can't and even the George remember Harrison Scorsese is terrific. Oh, yeah, we'd have to throw three into the ring. The George Harrison was was what I was going to mention. Yeah, material world, which is brilliant. Yeah. Um, just because of how he flowered after the Beatles broke up. I mean, that's that's the, that contains the magic in it for me. Um, the Joe Strummer one, um, the future is unwritten. Uh, Julian Temple, I really love that one, uh, and predictably Supersonic. Oasis. <laughs> Martin Brown wants to know, has any rock star made a decent fist of a film leading role, bar Bowie, perhaps? And he... he um, Well, that was Labyrinth, wasn't it? No, yeah, he, was, played, he was talking about Merry Goblin. Christmas, Mr. Lawrence, I think. Is, it was Tom Waits is good at that Coen Brothers thing, but then again, I don't think he has to say anything. He's appeared think, in a few things, Tom Waits. He's not bad, but he's just Tom Waits, isn't he? The, I mean, I suppose Chris Christopherson, but would you call him a film star? I don't know. Chris is a musician. Actually, first. Chris no, Christopherson was, was pretty good. In A Star is Born, he's pretty good. Shall I tell you who the two are? Because Go I've on. got the answer to this again, Mark. Go on. <laughs> People waste their time guessing. There are only two um, pop stars 
who were also genuinely film stars. You're going to say David Essex? No. no, I'm not. No, not really. Barbara Streisand? No. Frank Sinatra. Oh, okay. Elvis Presley. Okay. For Elvis both is acting? It doesn't matter about acting. A film star has nothing to do with acting. Just presence. Charisma. Presence. It's, yeah, yeah. It's can you appear in front of a camera and can you be so confident the way you look that you're quite happy to stand still in front of the camera and yeah. self-conscious. 99.9% of rock stars, as soon as you put them in front of a film camera, they look self-conscious immediately. Steam, you can see it. Bowie, Bowie's the worst offender, actually. Absolutely oh, terrible. Lord, he looks, he's, he's, he's eaten up with anxiety. It's like you can see them. They're thinking, I've gone too far here. I'm really exposed now. This is have not my seen... game. I'm not in charge. Go on. Ah, but have you have you seen Barry as the Goblin King in Labyrinth? <laughs> I can't say I have. Honestly, and I'm finding high... it hard to believe that that's a classic. I, don't I, know I would why. highly recommend you dig in because the hierarchy will change. Mark my words. <laughs> Barry as the Goblin King in my in Labyrinth uh, puts him at the top of the podium in in, in my peepers. Anyway, he makes a great <laughs> Goblin, really okay. confident Goblin. Okay, well, that's something I will I will do on one of the long winter readings which, which are coming up. Although, after your Marvel marathon. Yeah, after my Marvel marathon. <laughs> okay, is that it? Have we got any more for any more? I'm going to put some clothes on. This podcast was brought to you by The Word. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com 